say, he will give you grace. And as we sang in Psalm 45 this morning, what does God put in the mouth of Christ to pour out upon you? Grace. He gives him, he fills his mouth with grace. And so the Lord will speak grace to you this evening as we turn to 1 Peter 5. Verse 12, 1 Peter 5, verse 12. We've actually come to 1 Peter 5 a lot in our study on Wednesday nights. I'll remind you why as we go through our text, uh, looking at some context this evening. But the verse for the sermon this evening is 1 Peter 5, verse 12, and in particular, the latter part that I'll emphasize by repetition. Hear now the word of the Lord, 1 Peter 5, 12. By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. I want to emphasize that last part. This is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. It's that phrase that we're honing in on for the sermon this evening. The true grace of God wherein ye stand. I want you to recognize it's calling upon you to stand. But how do you stand in service to the Lord? How do you stand against this world and the ways of Satan? Not by your strength, not by your works, by grace, by grace. Wherein ye stand, the grace of God. Uh, this idea of standing, and as we'll see in context, against Satan and against the demonic world and spiritual warfare, of course, we're particularly familiar with Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. And it is that text where Paul calls upon us to put on the whole armor of God, that we would be able to do what? To withstand the devil, to stand against the attacks of Satan. And that's the, the regular refrain there, to stand, to stand, to withstand and to stand in spiritual warfare. Why? Why does he want us to be able to stand that Satan wouldn't beat us down, that Satan wouldn't beat us back? Gideon. Verse 14 in Ephesians 6, Paul says, stand therefore. And then he starts that whole conversation of putting on the armor to be able to stand. And Roger Nicole, in his article, Conflict with Evil, I should say his chapter, Conflict with Evil, I intend to share more with you on Wednesday nights. It's from that book that I've been drawing on a lot lately, Our Ancient Foe, published by PR Publishing, bringing together mostly a number of lectures from the Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology with the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. It's on this idea of standing that Roger Nicole makes, uh, writes these words. This is what God wants us to do, to stand. What would be the opposite of stand? To lie down. God has not demanded of us a direct positive attack, but rather he demands that we stand our ground without being influenced or carried away by the forces of evil. God wants us to be an army that doesn't yield ground to the power of Satan. Now he's citing James 4 verse 7 as well. When he's saying resist the devil, he'll flee from you. And he points out again, it's, it's defensive, it's not offensive. But it's also not a retreat. It's standing. He writes this also. If we turn our backs, 
we are done. If we flee, we've already abandoned the stance that God would have us take. Stand. Again, James 4, verse 7, he brings into that conversation. Uh, the, the latter part of the verse is this. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is something we've studied a lot. Studying the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, Prayer Wednesday nights with Thomas Watson's book, The Lord's Prayer. How much has Satan come up in our need to resist him? And be encouraged that when we follow Christ's example and by Christ's power in Matthew 4, we can resist the devil. He'll flee from us just as he left. Christ. We don't run, we resist. Now, of course, we, we flee from sins, but we don't run from Satan. We stand, we resist. That being said, don't forget the first part of the verse, James 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. That is, how do we resist the devil and stand against him? Submitting ourselves to God. Not standing in our own strength. Standing is a resistance against the devil, of course. And uh, we see that in our text tonight as well. Look at verses 8 and 9. We've looked at them a lot in our Wednesday studies. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing. Oh, sorry, excuse me. I am in the wrong chapter. I do that to you all the time. Uh, I'm in the wrong letter. That's what I did here. 1 uh, Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Okay, I got it now. Sorry about that. Uh, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now think about this lion. This lion's coming after you. Now we've We've often considered that that lion is stalking and quiet. You only hear the roar after he's made his kill. But the other thing we need to keep in mind, you've heard about uh, if a lion's coming after you, you need to kind of be, ah, raise your hands loud, try to scare him off. I recall seeing a, a video of a guy, I believe in Idaho, he was, he was starting to get stalked by a mountain lion and it wasn't leaving. And so he pulled out his Glock, I think, took a couple of shots just to scare him off. He didn't shoot the lion, but he scared him off. And this idea of resisting, but he didn't go after the lion, but he resisted. He made noise. He, it's kind of how we would need to be doing it. We need to recognize that we're in the resistance against the powers of this world. Those powers are spiritual. We're living the resistance of reformation and revival by God's grace. Holding fast to overcome, as Christ calls upon us in the Revelation. Standing is a resistance against the devil. That's what we're being called to do. But by a posture, again, of submitting, that is bowing to God. And that's a refrain in chapter 5 tonight. The different groups, leadership, is in, it's implied as well. Uh, submission. Submission to one another, submission to God, the way he says to do things. This is how we resist. And what is the stance we, we take? When we're going to take that stance of resistance against the devil, what is the stance that we take? Is it in our own strength? God gives, God's given us the platform of grace, but now we stand upon it and we're doing our own thing here. Even if we use the weapons of warfare in Ephesians 6, it's we who are working them and operating them. Sorry, it looked like it was operating nunchucks. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> but whatever the warfare is, or is it our strength that we stand? Is that what we're doing? No. It's God's grace. And I, I want you to see that tonight. How do we stand 
in God's grace. We're upheld by God's grace to stand. We don't stand in our own strength. It's not only for Christ and his kingdom. It's by Christ and his kingship in us. As the catechism says, subduing his and our enemies. Submitting to him. Holding on to him. It is by God's true grace that a Christian stands in sanctified resistance against satanic foes. I give it to you that as the main idea of the section we're studying in context. It is by God's true grace that a Christian stands in sanctified resistance against satanic foes. By grace alone. Not grace plus works. Even the works within us are by God's gracious power if they are anything and he's working in us. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 remembers, by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. It's all God's gracious work in us. There is a great danger coming to Christ and then think we've got to clean our lives up and somehow we think we do that without him. And we, and we don't really understand how we do the fight and that it's only by his strength. By grace alone. The true grace of God wherein you stand, he says. The true grace of God. 1 Peter 5 verse 12. The true grace of God wherein ye stand. And I want to focus on grace related to the word stand related to the word wherein. Wherein. The Greek could be translated in which. The grace of God in which or by which you stand. That is the only way you stand. And we have to be reminded of that when we're called to stand. We, we kind of see ourselves doing the standing. It's God holding us up to do the standing. Or we fall. We will not withstand. The Westminster Shorter Catechism gets at what we're talking about. Sanctification. And in particular, making progress in holiness. Progressive sanctification. Shorter Catechism number 35. What is sanctification? Here's the answer. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. Or as Paul speaks about it in the scriptures often, killing our old man and putting on our new man. Or elsewhere in Romans, putting on more of Christ. But notice the answer gives us really kind of two parts of sanctification as it's often explained. First, the definitive sanctification. This is what God does to us. It's just a complete thing, kind of similar to justification, where we are just made holy. We are positionally holy before God. That's why we're referred to as saints in the scriptures. And then he goes on and tells us about all our sins we got to fix and get better about. Positionally, we're wholly definitive. That's really the first part of the answer. We are renewed in the whole man after the image of God. But it's, it's also something else. And it's different than justification and adoption. In justification and adoption, remember, the answer is given. It is a 
act. It's an act of God's free grace. It's a done thing once and for all. It is a declaration. Uh, it isn't an infusion. It's an imputation. It's a crediting of Christ's righteousness. It's a making us sons. It's adopting us once and for all. It's a one-time thing. With It's ongoing effect, but it's a one-time thing. Sanctification is also a work different word chosen to communicate it's an ongoing development as well and this is the progressive sanctification whereby it says we are enabled more and more to die in a sin to live under righteousness but notice we are enabled if we're going to grow in holiness if we're going to kill the old sin in the world and vivify the new it's it's that we are enabled to do so by the holy spirit and we only grow in grace as we bear the fruits of the holy spirit working within us we don't do it ourselves. Notice I want to emphasize what is said the same way in justification and adoption. Sanctification is God's free grace. We stand in grace. We stand by God's grace. We don't grow alone. We cannot grow alone. We can do outward things that kind of look like it. But we can't really grow without God's grace working within us. God is still working within us. It's his grace. So, beloved, remember 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, as we were reminded this morning, my grace is sufficient for thee, God says to Paul, who's asking to have this thorn taken out of his side, this difficulty in life. And uh, God says, my grace is is sufficient for thee. Let's remember, God's grace is sufficient for us to stand. And that needs to be reminded because we don't think we can stand, but that's because we're too often trying to stand in our own strength and not in the grace of God. Easy to tip over. Easy to be tipped over that way. God's grace is sufficient for thee, and God's grace alone is sufficient for you to stand and grow in sanctification. Philippians 4.13, we love to quote often, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And I think Thomas Watson and others are right as it's in a sense our strength. As we have the strength given to us by Christ, we have a sense of our own strength, but it's not a strength outside of Christ. It is, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Not just getting me started, but keeping me going. And working it through me. Beloved, be careful not to think you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Or that you hold yourself up by your own suspenders. Give me a break. If we want to look at that picture, we'll all have to have a good laugh, won't we? Of any of us trying to do that. You stand or you fall depending on whether you rely on yourself or Christ. Look at verses 5 to 7 of our text. 1 Peter 5, 5 to 7. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Don't be beating on your chest saying, I'm going to do this for Christ. I'm going to conquer the world for Christ. I'm going to grow. I'm going to do this many Bible readings this week. I'm going to pray this many hours. I'm going to do this many good works. As if it's something you want someone to know about to be impressed. What does God say? What does Christ say in the Sermon on the Mount? You already have your reward. 
Do these things in secret. Rely on God's secret strength. Be humble. That God would lift you up. You start to get in your own strength thinking you're standing in your own strength. First of all, you're weak. We're all weak. Completely dependent on God. Second of all, that is going to make you fall. Remember to rely on God's grace. Look ahead to verses 10 and 11. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God will strengthen you. He will establish you. He will stand you up and keep you standing. Just make sure that's what's happening. You're standing in his grace and not in your own glory. It is God's grace alone that stands you up alive in Christ. And it is God's grace alone that keeps you propped up and standing for Christ in your life as you resist the devil. You cannot stand at all but by God's grace. Trying to stand in your own strength with something to prove is often resisting Christ and godly advice to reset and rest in God's grace. And that is often pride that will lay you low. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth Take heed, lest he fall. And that is leading into what? A discussion of a means of grace in chapters 10 and 11. The Lord's Supper. To help us not to give in temptation. His gracious means of, of helping us stand. Not thinking we're standing, we're good, we can't be knocked over now. I've gotten to this place, I'm in a really good place. Anytime somebody tells you I'm in a great place with God, watch out. What do we learn from Thomas Watson Wednesday nights? That's often when Satan comes at you and gets you. Stay humble. Take heed lest you fall. You think you stand? You don't stand if you think you're standing in yourself. You only stand in God's grace. But of course, beloved, you stand in God's grace. It is in God's grace you stand. You can and you will. So as you seek to stand firm, may it be in Christ. As you beseech him, Master, hold me up. Lift me up. As I lift my eyes up to you, the author and finisher of my faith, lest I fall. And stand indeed by God's grace. Notice that the armor of God referred to in Ephesians 6, where there is this constant call to stand, that is resist, not be knocked back or knocked down against the devil and his temptations and his attacks in this world. Notice the armor of God is really all about standing figuratively. It's the kind of thing you can do from your sick bed if necessary. And that's some of the strongest standing we see is there's the greatest amount of reliance on the grace of God. Because what else do you have as he lays you low and humbles you to lift you up and give a witness? 
and you may at many times be called to do so. See your weapons of warfare. See your means of standing in God's grace. What is what he graciously gives you for the armor? Hear it. Ephesians 6, 15 to 17. Put on the loins. May your loins be girt about with what? Truth. You can stand in truth whether or not you can stand or not. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness. You can put that on anywhere However you find yourself, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You can walk about as being peacemakers, whether or not you can move a foot above all, taking the shield of faith, wherein you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked faith. You stand in faith, believing, trusting in the Lord, standing for you, standing in and through you and take what else? The helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Love, recognize that all these things are defensive. Not being defensive, but defending yourself against the attacks. Standing, resisting. Resisting the temptation that Satan would often call upon you if you are in your sickbed, as did Job's wife. Curse God and die. Stand against that. Even if you're crawling and you can stand against it in Christ and his grace and all of these armor pieces that are not anything that rely on you and your strength, you see, but all turning to God and his strength by his grace. Even that sword of the spirit, spiritus gladius, you see the, the, the window up here, the sword of the spirit. You know, we think of that as an advancing, attacking thing. But if you think of like fencing in particular, parrying, right? A lot of it's blocking, right? So that's what Jesus did in Matthew 4. Satan kept attacking, and what did he do? He blocked it, quoting the word of God. Stand against temptation. Stand spiritually by God's grace and his gracious means that he has given you. People who do want to give themselves uh, to coming to the means of grace are going out in the weak, really unprepared, really unprepared. You can wear this armor lying down or on your knees. You can fight, I would say, particularly well. You can stand particularly strong on your knees. That's the main tactic of the warfare, notice. Verse 18, chapter 5 of 1 Peter, verse 18. Oh, excuse me, I have the wrong verse. Let me see, to me the glory. Forgive me, I have missed it. I think I might have skipped to something else, but it was talking about prayer. I'll get that back for you, unless it is uh, verse 8. We'll come back to it, but it's prayer. Be prayer warriors, beloved. Putting all your stock and hope in God. He stands for you. He gives you the victory. Stand by submitting to him and not trying to stand in your own strength by which you will surely fail and fall. 
Stand against sin and the devil and the world by standing in the way of yourself and lying in the arms of God to carry you through the wilderness as he speaks of what he did for the people in Deuteronomy. And by clinging to the back of Jesus to be your way and the lion of Judah and Jacob's ladder. Is grace a crutch? Yes. It's a walker. It's a wheelchair. And you cannot sit up or stand or stay standing without it. Neither can or does anyone else. But by grace, Psalm 18 says you can overleap a wall. You can conquer your enemies. You can conquer troops. You cannot withstand Satan on your own. And he is not always telling a lie when he accuses you. And these fiery darts will quickly penetrate and knock you on the ground, winded and writhing in agony. But in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus alone, you stand in God's grace. I want to say that to you two ways. That's the message for you this evening. You stand in God's grace. That's how you stand. You are standing by virtue of standing in God's grace. You only stand because of God's grace. You can remain standing and then hear it also not only as an indicative but an imperative. You stand and you stand in God's grace. But mainly I think uh, what Peter is telling us is this is how we stand. This is how we resist Grace. Testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. You stand in God's grace. Let us pray. Lord God, forgive us for trying to stand in our own strength. Help us to stand in your grace and help us to be reminded and see and be emboldened tonight that in your grace we stand. And by your grace may we be ready always to say, here we stand. I will not deny the gospel and that it is grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. Scripture tells us alone. For the glory of God alone, we can do nothing else. But we can stand against all kinds of groups and people against us in Christ. We can and we do and we only stand in your grace. Lord, let us come to the means of grace regularly. Let us hear from your mouth full with grace for us in worship singing psalm 45 let us receive the grace and goodness you intend to give to us through christ in psalm 84 oh lord lift us up on eagle's wings let us not faint as we stand in the grace of jesus christ
on our knees. Let us resist the devil. Let him flee from us as we remember your grace and stand within it. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to your mercy, you saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which you shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We stand in his grace and the blood of the everlasting covenant. And we say in Jesus' name, and all your people left standing in your grace, say, Amen.